I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It was a glittering morning. The sea sparkled in a million diamonds. Children rushed from their houses before breakfast to splash and shout by the edge of the water. Seagulls floated peacefully on the gentle waves or rose suddenly in a threatening cloud and shrieked with rage and greed as they fought for the scraps of food thrown from the little sailing boats in the harbour. Everton woke suddenly with the sun in his eyes and the noise of the belligerent gulls in his ears. He had a headache, and he felt as though he had slept for something between twenty-five minutes and half an hour. He thought, looking out of the window at the sea brightness, that a swim would clear his head. He put on his trunks and slipped trousers and a jersey over them and went downstairs and out of the hotel. On the pavement, his headache seemed to vanish at once. Perhaps it was only a hotel headache. What kind of headache is that? A hotel headache? <laughs> I think specifically this hotel is a bit of a headache. Yeah. Welcome back to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that is curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books, presented by me, Tim Wright, and you... Lloyd Shepherd. Uh, yes, I am Lloyd Shepherd. The swimmer. The swimmer. Well, we both went for a swim. Well, you packed your trunks. We went to Ramsgate. We're doing a The Widow of Bath by Margot Bennett. Yes. Uh, which is set in a seaside town, never named. But it anything. just says it's not Bournemouth. Not Bournemouth. So we, we, we've had a job to identify which seaside town it's based in. We've used a, a number of different clues. Oh, we were a bit worried, weren't we? We grew increasingly sure of ourselves as we spent time down there. Yes. As we spent, in the first episode, we spent some time down on the beach and in the harbour. In this part two, we're going to go and find a hat shop. A hat shop features very prominently in the story. Uh, we're going to look for an employment agency. 
or a dodgy employment agency. Yeah, a dodgy office where you might get kidnapped. Yeah. And then we're going to drive five miles north of Ramsgate. She's very specific about this this, this house being five miles north of the town. And on a cliff, looking and on out a to cliff, sea. Looking out to with sea. A, with, a, with a yacht below, moored, yeah. a sinister yacht in moored a bay, below. In a bay, yes. Yeah. So we're going to go looking for that house. Uh, and we are going to find something really quite extraordinary when we get there. Uh, w- so you can look forward to that. But we're going to start uh, in the town looking for a hat shop. Just a quick reminder of the plot. Yes, that's a good idea. We've got a, a chap called Hugh, Hugh Everton, yeah. who is, uh, review seems to be reviewing a hotel, a small hotel in Ramsgate, where the waiters all seem rather dodgy and have got funny foreign accents. Yes. And uh, there's also uh, an ex of his hanging around with a judge. Very the, glamorous ex. The judge has Lucy. The judge has been killed in part one. Yes. Um, so she's the widow. She's now the widow of the judge. Mm. So she's now the widow of Bath because he's called Bath. And then she has a couple of very dodgy friends. She does, and a, and a, and a niece, a step niece, who's got a big crush on Hugh. He's got a big crush on Hugh. Hugh is a slightly unreliable narrator. We think we don't think he's quite what he he's says he is. He's not really a restaurant reviewer. He's not he? really a restaurant reviewer. We think he might be a spy. He's more like a James Bond figure. More like isn't a James he? Bond. He's quite, he's quite handy. He's quite handy. Well, he look beats up himself. waiters. He beats up waiters. So let's let's go now and we've, we find Hugh looking for a hat shop. Yes, uh, because, because Zoe, who works in the hat shop, is somehow connected with the dodgy smugglers, people smugglers. She's a girlfriend of one of them. She is. And uh, she knows stuff. She does. About where and when people were at certain times. And she witnessed stuff on the night of the killing. Oh, there's a pair of glasses, isn't there's there? A pair there's of a glasses. missing pair of glasses. It's very significant. A lot of business. There's quite a lot of Agatha Christie business around the actual killing. Very good. It's it is very, very good. good. Yeah. Uh, so off to Ramsgate in terms of a hat shop. Not something I've ever done before. Yeah, you're not a hat man, are you? I mean, I've never been a hat man. I've got I'm a very, very big head. I'm very much a hat man. In the midst of sorrow, what cats we are, Everton said approvingly. So it's Cady and Matthews who sail. Can you tell me any more about them? No, except that Cady is the kind of young man who has a girl in a hat shop. I think he reads poetry to her. He is interested in things of the mind. Is that why he likes Lucy? A man can't be thinking all the time. (laughs) Everton started the car again. Jan's attitude to Lucy was excusable, but monotonous. What hat shop, he asked. Katie's girlfriend? It's called Jane or Anne or Diana or something like that. Oh, Susan's, that's what it is. It's in the high street. Why? The only way to a woman's head is through the hat. Here we are, my dear. I'll see you tomorrow. The only way to a woman's head is through the hat. Sounds like he's planning to shoot the uh, person in the shop. I think he's he's play, making a play on heart. Yes, I know. Hat. I think. I think. I th- so we're sitting on the high street in Ramsgate. Well, we're just on the, we're, it's town where the is, high, high is, street becomes Harbour Street. Town is waking up. Yeah. Sorry, yes. So we're sitting at the junction of Harbour Street and, high, and the high street. Um, good bench. We found a good bench because outside. Because you Halifax. see everyone. You see, I see everything. I see everything. It's like on the crossroads. Uh, now, you've done sterling work here, I must say. Thank you very much. You've done very, very good work here. Because you found a hat shop, right? I think I have. Yeah? Um, Give um, us the juice, then. OK, so, there I was. <laughs> uh, Just mooching, minding my own business. Mooching around on Facebook memory <laughs> sites about Ramsgate, as you do. This is the kind of thing we do. This is the, kind of, this is the glamorous side of the yeah. work that we do. Yeah. That you have to 
sift through loads of Ramsgate memories <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. But then somebody... Which tends to be older people bemoaning how everything's got crap and it used to be nicer in the old yeah. days. And um, somebody did the useful thing of posting one of those sort of gazettes yes. uh, which audits all the shops yeah. in, in the town. Yeah. So I found it here, look, Harbour Street. I'll be posting this on our Patreon site. Yeah, so you only get sight so, of Tim's excellent research yeah, if you, if you, want if you pay. Yeah, exactly. You have to pay us £2 a month to get at this stuff. And it lists a number of... Number one, the Civic Electrical Appliances Store. Number three, the Stag's Head Hotel, which I think is still there, actually, weirdly. There's a confectioner's, a tailor's. Now, there is a shop, a gown shop, at number 15, called Elena. So name, a lady's name. A lady's name, like, as described. Yeah. But then, then, boom, we find at number 25, Morgan, Milliner and Fancy Draper. Mm. A milliner at number 25. Very good. And then when we went down there, it's it perfect. It's a charter it's surveyors now, isn't but it? But they've obviously restored the old shop. So it's got two lovely old style windows, display windows. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's an absolutely perfect uh, And shop. It, it's at the right end because it then comes out onto Harbour Parade where we think most of the action is at the hotel where Katie takes um, Everton for a, a walk along there. Yeah. Um, where the where the harbour is and the body is found yeah. and the judge. Um, it all kind of works, doesn't it? No, it very much works. It's very, very good. And we were sort of speculating. The other thing that we noticed is there's a sign at the bottom of Harbour Street that gives you all the times times to reach the various places in town. The railway station is 20 minutes away. Yeah, it's quite... So it is very inconveniently located, as she she says in the book. But we did also wonder whether, you know, in terms of research, you can almost imagine Margot Bennett getting off the train, walking down the high street and then Harper Street to her hotel on Arbor Parade, sitting down for a drink in the bar, spotting and wondering why all the waiters seem to be Germans. And well, she's had a very inconvenient walk from the railway station. Yeah, and then a terrible service. Oh, that looks like a nice little hat. And then shop. she sees a young man taking notes. Yeah. So uh, it all it all hangs together. It does. I'm starting to believe it. Yeah. I think the hat shop was the, the thing for me. The hat it, shop it does it hang it together. Like a, it looks like a, sh- a, a shop would be with a display in it of hats. Yeah. And the main thing is that Zoe would come out of there, the, the character in the book. Yeah. And within you know less than a minute. She'd be down on the promenade, wouldn't she? Yeah, absolutely. It's all very close together. Yeah, and also that that at the bottom of there is where the buses are. Yeah, because she takes the bus. She does take the bus, so, so it's all good. It's works, all good. Man. I'm buying all of it. Um, but you've got to you've got to tell us where the wool the Woolworths. Well, I'm going to look for the Woolworths because Woolworths. the Woolworths might give us a clue as to where the um, where the agency is, which is around the corner from. Yeah. Where, where he gets into a spot of bother. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you massive points if you find a catering agency around here. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? In future, ladies, if you want to be really fashionable, your hairstyle must be in harmony with your hat style. So says Henry da Costa, the hairdresser, who, in company with Yves Valère, the hat designer, introduces to Patty Victoria a few examples in the new two-way mode. Mr. Da Costa strongly objects to fashioning an exquisite head of hair only to find it ruined by the wrong kind of hat. So now he makes sure that one suits the other. 1952 is when the book comes out. What was 1952 like, Lloyd? 
Well, there's quite a lot of interesting things going on in 1952. I mean, we talked a little bit about the kind of state of the economy and the rationing and all that kind of stuff when we were talking about hotels in part one. That's right, because uh, Clement Attlee and the Labour government hoofed out in 51, right? Yep, yep. So we're in, Winston Churchill is back. He's back in number 10. Unbelievable. Back in right? number 10. He's got another three I years think that in number George 10. George VI was so shocked that he dropped dead. Yeah. <laughs> there is a general air of paranoia in the country, I would say. Oh, no question. There's a, there's a few things going on that I think make people, people feel a little bit paranoid. They abolished compulsory ID cards in 1952. Oh. A situation we still find ourselves in. There are no compulsory ID cards in, in Great Britain, uh, which is, makes us very unusual in Europe. Um, but they were abolished in 1952, so you're never quite sure who somebody is. You can't really say, let me show me your ID card. It doesn't, do, doesn't work anymore. Right. Which is quite interesting, right, in regards to this book, because a lot of these people are trying to get papers they are. to enable them either to stay in England or to, or to go to... To create a false to, identity, or right? Or to go to the USA, or in, <clears throat> in most cases, to spend time with their, with their fellow dodgy people in Canada. We've identified Canada, Canada as being, as being the, the great evil nation, yeah. post-war nation. So that's yeah. a lending air to the paranoia. Well, uh, also bombs... I mean, the U.S. hydrogen bomb yeah. uh, is is first tested that year. Well, the, the thing and that the, I... U, the U.K. announced that they have a bomb yeah. that year. So the, the start of the Cold War. But it's, it's not the death ray. We've got a bomb, but we're not going to show we're it. We're not. To you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We've got one. Oh honest, yeah, we've got one. Honest, honest. It just goes to another school. Um, but the other thing that's happening that I think is really lending an air of paranoia: yeah. the first TV detector van, in oh, 1952. Yes. People are still so quite paranoid about. Those, I'm still, aren't they? I still don't really know what. Have you TV, ever seen one? I still don't really know what they are. Is there one? Well, they used to. They, th- they used to have drive around. They used to have the little aerial. On no, top. you only saw that on television. You only saw it on television. And I'm still not. Convi- I'm still not sure whether there were ever actually any TV detector vans. And what were they detecting? Well, if there's anybody out there who's listening to this who knows somebody who worked as a TV detector, yeah, I'd love to hear from I know. you. Because I, I don't believe in them. In the 70s, it was like there was an advert every night for the there TV was, detector van. But that's what I just thought. That, that this is a, this is fake news. This, is not, yeah. this never actually happened. The other thing that happened in 1952 that I suppose was making people feel a bit unsettled was the Great Smog. Was of, was the fourth to the ninth of December, which was yeah. an enormous um, fog that basically killed. They really killed four thousand people. That uh, over that. That's over amazing, that time, right? Which is why they brought in smokeless coal, right? Yes. In, uh, to, All right. That's that. fair enough. So there's a lot of there's, there's death, there's gloom, there's paranoia, there's yeah. TV detector vans. And no one not, knows who anybody is. And there's secret Nazis. And the secret They're not Nazis. so secret Nazis. That's the year that Werner von Braun published his epic book, Man Will Conquer Space Soon. Who lets a guy who worked for the Nazis publish a... a, a but with the word conquer in it. With, with the word conquer in it. Man will conquer space soon! Exclamation mark. Is that your Werner von Braun impression? Yeah, it's a very good one. <laughs> I'll tell you who he was mates with in 1952. Go Werner von Braun. Jack Parsons. Do you know about Jack Parsons? No. Jack Parsons died in 1952. There are conspiracy theories about Jack Parsons that he may well have been assassinated. But uh, most people believe that he just ended up blowing himself up in his house whilst making rocket fuel in his kitchen. Um, Where? In America? Yes. He is one of the founding members of the Jet Propulsion Lab. And uh, he's a chemist. And he was really fantastic at making amazing amounts of rocket fuel, really great propellants. Yeah. He's a. Have you not heard of him? No, never heard of him. Oh, there's a, a listener. There's a book. If you get there's a book of his life, Jack Parsons, which I highly recommend to you. He's an extraordinary character. So, but he's so a rocket- you already knew this. Oh yes, you've been tracking Jack Parsons. Oh, I wanted to do a 
I wanted to do a radio play about him or something because right. he's just an amazing character. Because the point about Jack Parsons is not only was he an incredibly gifted chemist who was just the number one guy you went to for rocket fuel, uh, they say that the the fumes from all the um, nitroglycerin that he kept in his house sent him crazy as well. But he was recruited, obviously, by Caltech and then by the government. But um, And they forgave him the fact that he was also an absolute nutter for magic, sex magic. He was an acolyte of Aleister Crowley. <laughs> and, uh, That's a potent mix. Well, and then, then he was best friends with L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard ran off with his wife or his girlfriend and defrauded him. L. Ron Hubbard said, well, we need to start a new cult in the Pacific somewhere. Why don't you give me all your money you've earned from rocket fuel and I'll buy three yachts. Me and your missus will go and get three yachts and then we'll sail them and then you'll join us and we'll start our new black sex magic cult. And they just went off with all his money. He, won't be the, he wasn't the last person that L. Ron Hubbard defrauded out of lots of money. Well, he says that he claims that he prevented them from getting away because he did actually get them arrested for fraud. But he claimed because he did a, a, a bit of a, a magical operation to uh, change the weather and prevent them from sailing away. Uh, what else have you got for 1952? <laughs> Why do I not got? Um, well, I think there was a lot of um, interesting non-fiction books that came out. I've already mentioned um, Man Will Conquer Space Soon. Anne Frank's diary came out in English. So I think there's still a lot of yep. war stuff, including the Colditz story, yep. Major Pat Reed. That came out that year as well. Well, yeah, the, the book I noticed um, to, uh, while you're talking about books, The Old Man and the Sea came out in 1952. Yeah, of course it did. Yes, um, of course. Yeah. Other books I picked up, East of Eden. Yes. The Invisible Man was 1952. Uh, and then the other thing, just because, you know, he's talking about waiters, uh, Waiting for Godot came out in 1952. Ah, very good. Yeah. They they wouldn't have made good waiters, those no, two, would they? they would not. I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned your squeeze, Agatha. Well, she had... Um, the mousetrap came out. Well, the mousetrap well, mouse opened. It did. It, it opened. Did. Yes, I did have that on the 25th of November. Uh, musically, I was quite interested in... This is the year that rock and roll gets called rock and roll. Is it? Yeah, Alan Freed had a uh, he he had an event and he called it a rock and roll event in 1952. Yes, that's what, and Sun Records recorded their first record in mm. 1952, and uh, the Comets became the Comets. Bill Haley and the Comets in 1952. Right. So it's all lot, happening. It's a lot of. Meanwhile, though, the big stars of the day are Frankie Lane. Frankie Lane, Riders in the, the Sky. sky. Yeah. Frankie Lane has num so many hits in 52. Amazing. And the other guy is Eddie Fisher. Do you know? You I've know never heard Eddie of Eddie Fisher. Fisher. Oh, come on. He was actually, he was doing his military service in 1952, but he was still banging out the hits. Yeah. Well, you mentioned hits. Mm. There were no hits before 1952. Right. Eh? The UK singles chart was first published on the 14th of November 1952 by the New Musical Express, oh, which it's... itself had first gone on sale that year. Oh, my, my So dad, there were no my hits. My dad hated that publication coming yeah. in the house. Enemy. He said, the enemy is here. The enemy is here. The enemy is here. Uh, Some good um, musical births. Yes. Who have you got? I've, well, I've got one that you'll like and one that you'll hate. Come on, then. Which one do you want first? Uh, the one I like. Uh, I've got David Byrne. David Byrne, I 14th like. 14th of May. So who am I going to hate? Uh, Jeff Downs, keyboard player for the Buggles in Asia. Oh, yeah, you're right. Was <laughs> I knew that. Was, I, I wrote that down just because I knew it would it'd trigger you. Howard Devoto was born that year. As, as was Joe Strummer. 
Yeah, so that's not bad, is it's it? It's not bad. That's a good year. I tell you, it's a it's good... not a great year. David Icke was born that year as well. Well, in terms of... Or was he? In terms of, man... <laughs> in terms of manly men, yeah. it's a massive year. Get this for a list of yeah. like... Manly men. Match... Manly men. Yeah. I've got Hasselhoff. Yes. Seagal. Yes. Swayze. Yes. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Mr. T. Wow. They are called manly men. Putin. Uh, you missed off Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, I got a very special set of skills. And of course, yes. the most manliest man of them all, yes. Gordon McQueen. <laughs> we just he lost him. He only died earlier this oh. year. Christopher Reeves, the first Superman, was born as well. Yeah. So uh, it's a lot of manly uh, men, isn't it? Uh, Douglas Adams was born in 1952. Yeah, not so manly. Not so manly. Not so Did manly. you meet him? I met him. Quite tall. Not so manly. No. Um, and two of the most beautiful women in the world. Well, I've, I've got one of them, mm. Jenny Agatha. Yes. I don't know who the other one was, though. Isabella Rossellini. Oh, well, there you go. Can we just have a moment? Yeah, we can. Gosh. Yeah. And then less less, less attractive, Mel Smith. Oh, no, you ruined it now. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of, uh, lots of good things. I didn't have a lot of deaths. I've got no deaths written down here. Oh, uh, well, George VI. Well, apart from, I did have George VI. Yeah. Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons. <laughs> well, and also, come on now, musically... Oh, uh, Evita, did she die in 1952? She certainly did. Well, her husband was very implicated in the rat lines that was getting the uh, getting the Nazis out of Europe. Yeah, they don't have that in the musical, do they? Good year for films. Right. Oh, do you think so? Well, I've oh. got I got four cracking films. Oh, really? Well, one of which you haven't seen, I find. Oh, yes. Uh, Limelight came out in 1952. Well, that was the year. He took it to Cannes, won the yeah. Cannes. And the Americans said, if you come back, we're arresting you. Yeah, because so, you're a commie. So he stayed in Europe. Another commie. Singing in the Rain, you've already mentioned. Lovely film. High Noon. Is High Noon that? 1952. Oh. And the best of the lot, Ikiru. The... Hmm? Ikiru. Kurosawa. I've never seen that film. Uh, well, it's it the, the the Bill Nye film uh, that came out last year called Living. Yeah, is basically a remake of Akiru, and it's Akiru is a fantastic film. Oh, really, wow. really great. Well, that's really on great. my list. I, I, I highly recommend it to anyone who's not seen it. There's five good, stars. There's a good talk about Limelight in the um, in the Discord server. We were, we were discussing it, weren't we? Yeah, well, I, I'm keen to watch it. So he, he didn't he, he ended up living in Switzerland, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah that's right. The other film that uh, has a Q-Spec sort of connection. There's two There's two filmy people, actually, who've got a Q-Spec connection. One of them is John Wayne. Yeah, always. Uh, the Quiet Man. Have you seen that film? It has the most ridiculous fight scene. Do you remember? Have you, you must have seen this film. I've never seen it, no. Oh, it's quite... Is that the one set in Ireland? Yes, it is. It's quite it's Debbie film. Reynolds again, isn't it? No, it's not. It's Maureen O'Hara. Oh, Maureen O'Hara, sorry. Uh, that... Um, he gets into a fight with, I think, Maureen's brother or something. They have a bar brawl. But the bar brawl then breaks out of the bar and goes right across the hills for several miles to another <laughs> bar where they have another fight and then they make up a bit and have a drink and then have another fight. But it's got it's the longest fight <laughs> brawl scene you'll ever see in your life. It goes on and on and on. And then there's the other great film person we ought to nod to who was born that year, Simon McCorkendale. Was he? Manimal. Where it all started for us. Oh, yeah, Riddle of the Sands. Yes. He plays Carruthers. No, he no, plays he Davis. Davis. He plays you. No, Michael York plays me. He plays Carruthers. You, no, York is Carruthers. Uh, no, York is Davis. York is Carruthers. No, York is the man who's visiting him. Uh, you've, got your, you've got your Yes, Carruthers. and Carruthers is the man who visits Davis on the boat. 
Come on now. Oh, no, no, you're right, yes. Gosh. No, you're right. Davis visits the boat. Yes, yeah, you're that's right. That's the uh, text for us. This is where it all started for us. And you, don't, very... you can't even remember it. <sighs> I'm shocked. I got very confused there. Gosh. I'm never going to live that down, well, am Simon I? McCorkin down. I'm never going to live that down. Rolling in his grave. I'm I never going to live that down. I think it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Shameful. Mm. Shameful. Well, I, I think you, you might be blackballed from the club if you're not careful. Okay. Well, I might have to... I might have to st- Stop this now because I've got to go and have a bit of a cry. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The van had stopped. Now, the man said. Everton opened the door, slid gently out of the van and stood dizzily in the bright sunshine. The bony waiter followed him, looking more than ever like a plant that had been grown in a damp basement. The door to the right, he said briskly. Walk. Everton measured the possibilities of escape as he crossed the pavement. It was a long street. The corner was a hundred yards away and he was not confident that he could run the distance in less than ten seconds. If he had a lead of twenty yards, he would be safe. The man would have to be up to dueling standards to shoot him with a revolver from that distance. He could cover twenty yards in three seconds, but he could be shot in one. The street was quiet. No one was entering or leaving the small terraced houses. Fifty yards away, two women had put down their shopping baskets to talk to each other at their ease. A very old man and his very old wife were hobbling slowly in the sunshine on the other side of the road. A boy passed on a bicycle. Two young children were playing with a ball in the middle of the street. A milk delivery van had just come round the corner. 
and in the still morning air the rattle of the bottles and trays carried clearly to his ears. A baby was crying in a nearby house, and that was all. They were at the door, and a small brass plate announced that, that the Coastal Universal Service had its offices inside. It was the kind of street where there would be several brass plates, dentists and doctors of the less prosperous kind, and probably a dressmaker or two. Mm. And possibly a funeral service. We are sitting uh, outside the Wesleyan Chapel on uh, Hardress Street, which runs off the high street in, um, in Ramsgate. And we're sitting across the H.R. Uh, Palmer funeral service. Harry Palmer. Harry Palmer. Listen to me, Palmer. It's the only brass plaque on the street. There is a brass plaque. It's not brass, but there's a plaque yep. on the door for the funeral service. <laughs> Further up, there's a, there's a, there's a, there are a couple of houses that had fr- sort of commercial window fronts. Yeah. Yep. That look quite promising. Yeah. Now it's very noisy here now. You, the traffic is yeah. bad. But, but, but that's, that's because, because the high street the has the been high street has been pedestrianised. Exactly. Yeah. So that all the traffic is pushed up here. Yeah. But back in those days, it would not have been. No. Uh, it would have just gone straight up the high street or down the high and street. And there's been a lot of fairly significant development here. We would think in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. I've got an old sort of mid 40s map of the street. And there's houses on both sides. Now there are houses, there are old terraced houses on one side, and on the other side there's there's sixties and seventies flat blocks of flats. But we like it. Yeah, it works. It would be quiet, and also look, there's a, there's a lady with a shopping basket. Mm, I've seen a few. There's been several. So her, she's. Um, I'm not surprised that she ended up writing for TV and film, just from the way you read that out. It's very visual, isn't it? Yeah, and the sound and yeah. the characters around. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, she's describing the setup for a, yeah. for, for an, a piece of action. Yes, um, in quite a good way. Um, you did a clever thing that you found the site of the Woolworths, which is mentioned. The Woolworths is mentioned as being at uh, twelve to fourteen A. Uh, sorry, he mentions a Woolworths when he walks. He walks down the street. Yeah, and turns onto the high street. And well, describes it as being the normal kind of street with the Woolworths and the normal chemists and stuff. Uh, there was a Woolworths in Ramsgate at 12 to 14, the high street. Uh, and it's now Poundland. Poundland? Yeah. That's what the, we've come to. The 21st Woolworths century, to Poundland. The 21st century Woolworths. Yeah. But it's definitely the right one. And if he'd come out of Hardra Street and sort of turned left and started walking down the high street, he would have seen it. You'd bump into it. Yeah. So it's interesting that he says he was thinking about running down this street to the corner, but it was 100 yards yeah. to the corner. So it's up there. So he's up there, but then he's... Because when he, when he comes out and he walks down, he says when he had turned the corner, he found himself in a busy street with the usual Woolworths, the common chemist, etc. Right? Yeah. So the corner is that one down there. Yeah. So he's up there. Where he's that, in one of those houses up, up there. Up there. That works That's really where well. That's the uh, agency he, is. He says the normal traffic jam... There's yeah. a traffic jam down there. Yeah. So, uh, he also sees a bus going to the station. And yes. the station would, in those days, the buses to the station yes, he saw would a have bus. gone up the high street. He saw a bus marked railway station. He followed it up the street, dawdling so that it could stay ahead. And then he gets on a train and goes to Victoria. Yeah. Which trains do go to Victoria for They here. do. They do. And from this bro- is starting. And from, and from Broadstairs, unfortunately. But yes. Yes, but this, they is, do. this is very good. It all works, doesn't it? So we think... This is the street, Hardress Street. Hardress Street is where um, the agency is. Uh, the the uh, the agency that's smuggling in German 
German and Italian waiters. And Greek. And Greek. <laughs> it's all very, the waiters. It, all the waiters. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're likely to see a lot of dodgy waiters down here. Um, yeah, no, it all hangs together very well, I think. But in terms of the visual, as you say, the visual image she's got of the place, what you realise when you come here is it's very compact. The whole setting is very, very compact. Which, which suits him fine, because he never takes very long to get anywhere, the main character. No, he walks in and out of places all day long. And also, him. everybody knows where he is all the time, yeah. because they can see him all the time, yeah. wandering around. So You wouldn't need one of those to get around. That idea of it being quite claustrophobic, and yes. sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, getting Everyone, a bit paranoid. Everyone's watching. It is a paranoid book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It very much is. That's, okay. That's all good. So, uh, short of seeing anyone come out of the Harry Palmer funeral service, or maybe a couple of people in waiter togs sprinting down the street, I think we've done this one, and we should move on. There haven't been many swimming today. It's thinning down. There have been no women in since five o'clock about. A few weeks more and I'll have nothing to do till next year. You've got any nice winter jobs I could do in the police without descending to uniform? He stood up, creaking from his table, and led them into the empty concrete corridors of the swimming sheds. When it's busy, we make them put their clothes in these wire baskets. If it had been busy today, we'd have seen at least a glance if there were any clothes left. But, oh dear, it hasn't been busy at all. I'll be out of work soon. It's a long, slow winter, and the summer's been long and slow too. Oh, weather reference. Weather reference. That is the guy who runs the uh, changing rooms, the swimming sheds for the Lido. And we're talking. We're going to talk about a bit about when the book is actually set. Well, we'll try. We'll There's try. Not many clues, are there? Not that many clues. There's that clue there as saying it's all the end of the summer. Yep. Uh, another point. She does actually say it's September. Yes. She says it's a hot day for September. A hot day. Uh, so uh, it, it, so, so there's some weather-related stuff. Yes. When was it hot in September? That's right. Um, but no other real clues as to what year it is. Well, there is sort of an about in a sort of dating kind of way. There yeah. are some, there is a timeline here. There is a timeline. You've done your timeline thing. I've done my timeline thing. Yeah, you like writing out all the days, don't you? Robert H. Timeline. Robert H. Timeline. They call me. Yeah, stranger in a strange land, <laughs> strange man in a strange land. <laughs> the the main thing is that Lucy, who's the femme fatale in this book, yeah, very glamorous. And very devious as well. Very, very She's devious. She's very much a Probably kind of evil. Raymond Chandler type figure, uh, Probably a, a heroine, don't you think? Yeah. I think Raymond Chandler's got a bit of influence over this. I yeah. sort of feel like this is a sort of British version of Raymond Chandler. Now, Lucy talks a lot about her life. Yeah. And she talks about the fact that they've been at Ramsgate, if it is Ramsgate, for about two years, she, she does, says. yeah. And she says that she's only been married to the judge for six years. Yeah. And that they met in Paris. And then the niece says, oh, she met her. She was a showgirl in Paris, I can tell. She does, because yeah. she went to a show and she critiqued all the other girls in a way that she told me she knew a lot more about being a showgirl than she was letting on. Yeah. Now, look, if you were a showgirl in Paris, and it has to be six years ago, it can't be during the war. Yeah, okay. I don't think that Judge Bath yeah. was it was was on military action there, was he? No. So he must have but he might have been there at the liberation of Paris. He might have been with yeah. Ernest Hemingway. With Ernest Hemingway, indeed. Right. So that's in forty four. 
So it can't. So they kind of got married until forty-four at the earliest. But I suspect would get married in forty-five. Yep. Now six years, forty-five, fifty-one. Yeah. And that they've been living there since nineteen forty-nine. So I don't think it'd be any. So it can't be any earlier than that. No. Just saying they've been married for six years. No. So the book is published in fifty-two. So I think that tells you it's got to be fifty-one. Yeah. Don't you think? I like that. That's very good. 51, right? Yeah, very good. Now, I've done the timeline, which is this book takes takes place over a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the murder happens on the evening of day one. Uh, And uh, I think it's the the day six is when he sort of get, when it all resolves, as it were. So it's happening over a week. And we know it's 51 and we know it's September. Yeah. It's got to be early September. Because people are still going on holiday there. They so are, it's thinning still, down. It's thinning it's maybe down. the last week of the holidays. Yeah. It's so it's got be the first so, week of September, that's right? That's right. Right. See? So How think, hot was it in 1951 in the first week of well, September? I now refer to you, to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only asking because I know you would have looked. Uh, ExtremeWeatherWatch.com. ExtremeWeatherWatch.com. 1951. I've only got London weather. Yeah, that's uh, near as damn it. It's only... 50 miles. The hottest moment, it was really, really quite hot on the last week of August, 29th, 30th, 31st. It got up into the 30s. Wow. And then it weirdly, for, so on, it was the highest temperature in London was 30.6 degrees on August the 31st. And then September the 1st, it just collapsed. Okay. It was 16 degrees. Wow. It halved. The temperature halved. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Then it sort of built back up. The hottest days in September was September the 10th, 11th and 12th, where it got back up to 27 degrees. Yeah, so that would be the 10th, 11th or 12th. Nice. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to go out for a drink before you go home for a, a meal in a hotel, before you go home to play bridge with your mates, don't you do that on a Friday? Uh, yeah, you do, mm. unless you're supposed to think they deliberately go out for a drink at that hotel at that time because they know Hugh's there. Because uh, the implica- isn't the implication that he's a patsy? Yes. Yeah, he's a witness. Well, also, well, uh, he's a patsy and a witness, but also that, that idea, if they've got wind that he's there and they know he's trouble, yeah. that they need to sort him out, yeah. get him sorted. Well, they need to up. get him stitched up, yeah. And then when do you go and review a hotel? Do you do that on a Monday? You probably do, don't you? Yeah. So he came down on... He came probably down, do with the Monday at the, on end of the, at the end of the season. He packed his trunks on Sunday night, got down there on Monday morning. Yeah, but that's not why he's there. <laughs> what, to go for a swim? He's not, well, he's not there not to review there? the hotel. That's just a cover. Okay, so let's say it is a Monday. Yeah, it's, it's hot yeah. Monday, so it's it's basically then it's the tenth of September, nineteen fifty-one. So he encounters them in the so the book opens on the September the tenth, nineteen fifty-one. Yes, and finishes now, on September the fifteenth. Yes, that's right. Now the only the only issue with that, I would say, is that there are two events happening quite near Ramsgate around that time right. that would have been a talking point. One of them is that a U.S. Thunderjet 49208 crashed into the North Sea off North Foreland right. in Broadstairs on September the 13th, 1951. Wow. So Did not mention it? No. And, and it would have been right by where the house is. Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what made... <laughs> if you'd use that as cover for the gunshot, it would be good. <laughs> hey. 
So uh, that would have been the Wednesday. Yeah. So the, that Thursday. Would have been, that, yeah, so that would have been the talk of the town, right? It would have been, yeah. Absolute talk of the town. So it got to be before the crash, yeah, I obviously, think. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is that Florence Chadwick. The Florence Chadwick. Yeah, the Florence Chadwick. The great, one of the great sea swimmers of all time. I'm you don't know this, but you love swimming in the no. sea. She is one of the first women to uh, swim the channel both ways. What, the same? Not at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, not at the same time. Uh, 10th of September, 1951, yeah. the Monday, yeah. when the weather's good, Florence Chadwick gets in at Dover, piles off to France, and she's the first woman, I believe, to do it. Do we happen to know what make of swimsuit she was wearing? Good question. that's a very important Very salient point. point. That Monday, I think... Again, there's a lot going on around that. There's week. a lot going on, so I want to say that the weather thing might be a red herring, yeah, and that I think it would probably be the week before. Okay, so I'd say he gets into town on the third of the September, 3rd. Yeah. and it's all resolved by the ninth of September. So there's no planes falling out of the sky. Or, the next week, or it all women, kicks or, off. Or women swimming in the channel. <laughs> it all kicks okay. off the next week. Well, let's say September the third then. Just September got the third, nineteen fifty-one. Nice work, sir. Well done. The house that lay before them in the moonlight was unlike both the sea boxes and the bijou castles that builders have scattered round our shores. It had a flimsy colonial look, tall, narrow, rakish, with painted shutters, wrought iron balconies, and on the ground floor, French windows opening onto verandas roofed against the flighty English sun. It was a folly, a merino millionaire's folly. Perhaps there were some carved sheep on the lawn. The judge had lived in the colonies, had the house tugged at his heartstrings, or whatever judges fastened their hearts with. But retired professional men like to live by the sea, even when the sea means an inland suburb of Bournemouth. This was not Bournemouth. The house stared down across the bald cliff into the dark depths. The impersonal sea, the purifying sea, Everton thought, staring down at the shadowy boat in the bay. The whispering, roaring, muttering, silent sea. The active, uneventful sea. A little bit of poetry there. He's a he's a he's he's not a what he seems. He's not what he seems. He has his own depths. We've been looking for the house, obviously. Yes, uh, the, this is the the judge's house. The judge's house, Judge Bath's house. Yes, with the with the ropey balcony that comes away. It's it's said that it's five miles from the location of the book, right? So five miles from Ramsgate. Mm-hmm. In the in the uh, south westerly direction would actually take you to just past Sandwich and it wouldn't be very cliffy there. No, um, you certainly wouldn't be staring down into the uneventful sea from a clifftop house. Five miles north of Ramsgate brings you to somewhere quite interesting. I agree. It brings you to North Foreland. North Foreland. There's a big lighthouse there, but we are right on the cliff here. We've 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 gone down a little path. Yeah. Off off the off the road, the private road of the North Foreland estate that's here. We were walking along a road called Cliff 
parade. Yes, and we've been trying to find this colonial-style house with uh, you know banisters all the way round, French windows, verandas. Uh, we haven't had a lot of luck. No, there's nothing like it here. There's some houses of the right kind of era, but they're not that style at all. No, they're more arts and craft, aren't they? There's quite a lot of modern houses here. Mm-hmm. There's quite a good chance, I would say, that whatever that house, if that house was here, it's been demolished and replaced with something more modern Possibly, in the intervening well, years. I think the modern houses may be filling in the gaps around the other houses. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, so, yeah, we've been slightly disappointed and stymied in our uh, in our search. Yeah. Um, but it is five miles from It's Ramsgate, five miles. And it is a remote place that's that's above where, Joss, where you could do bad things and not be noticed. It's above Joss Bay, so there would be a... Uh, if there was a yacht down in the harb, in the, in the bay, you'd you see would it, see it from you? here. You would see it. Yeah, we think it's the right place. We haven't found the house. One of the reasons we think it's the right place is that it's an extraordinary coincidence, right? It is. That she is... The one distance she gives in the book is five miles. Yes. Nowhere else does she give a a definitive distance. That's right. So exactly five miles from the front at Ramsgate brings you to here. Yes. And... And what do you find? An astonishing discovery. Astonishing? Well, you weren't astonished because you were expecting it. Well, you weren't expecting part of it. I wasn't expecting part of it, that's true. That's true. Do you want to tell the listener what the uh, astonishing discovery was? Yes. And what it might say about the writer's intentions? Well, what we found is a house called uh, St. Cuby. Yeah. Well, it used to be called St. Cuby. I'm not sure it's called that now. And the reason why it's significant is it's where John Buchan resided whilst he was dreaming up the 39 Steps. Indeed. He was down here, he was a slightly sickly character, and he came down here for the for the heir. Uh, I think it's a family, it's in the family, the house. I think it's either his sister or his sister-in-law or something like that. Uh, he stayed here, and he started uh, fleshing out 39 Steps. And as a result of that, he then, if you've read the 39 Steps, you know that the denouement, it takes place at a, at a house right by the cliffs with mm. steps down to the beach mm-hmm. where the German agents are going to flee on a boat back to Germany. Mm-hmm. It's very near a golf course mm-hmm. uh, in that book. Um, and lo and behold, so we thought, well, that's, it's interesting. We found the house, didn't we? Yeah. Well, you we, found the house. It's interesting it that, there's, that it would be a reference. Yeah, the house is there. It's interesting that there will be a reference. So that's an amazing, you think, okay, so you're writing a book in the late 40s, early 50s mm-hmm. about German spies and German, well, not German uh, Germans so, up to no good. Uh, Germans up to no good uh, in this part of the world. And, uh, and then you deliberately locate the house. Yeah. Where, exactly where... Exactly where 39 Steps is. Well, uh, based. Where the house is, but not just the house, right? Well, we walked around the corner looking for a nice, quiet place to record. Yeah. And blow me if we didn't see a big old fence with a warning message saying these steps, it's all locked up with a coded gate yeah uh you are on cctv all this the is the property stuff. of north foreshore property limited yeah all the usual stuff that makes me want to trespass immediately <laughs> and uh it steps yeah down to the beach yeah i don't know whether there's 39 steps i would think there are a few more than that but they're right by his house they're right by his house and and you know we're speculating that they would have been right by the house that margot bennett has located the judge in. Yeah, to, in order to get down to the yacht. That's so it's a homage, there. right? Oh, I think so. Don't you? I've, and I've not read. I've not. I've not read that anywhere. That that's a. That's some. That's true about this book. But yeah. I think 
Now, we've come out here, we've followed the instructions of the book, and we've made an extraordinary discovery. We've joined up the dots. We've joined up the dots. Which is very handy for us, because... Up, up we, next we, on up, this... <laughs> I know, because throwing forward, the next uh, pursuit novel we were planning to do is... It's the, the granddaddy of them all, the 39 steps. So now we know exactly where to come. So we've got a jumping off point from uh, this podcast into the next podcast. It's perfect, isn't it? I need to come back with a ladder. It's time to give Margot Bennett a mark. You have, uh, we were recommended this book by uh, a Patreon subscriber. Well, this Monkey is Spaniel. Thank you very much for the recommendation. Yes, we said this at the beginning that as, by paying us five pounds a month and you, you get to join our community, we have got a section in there with book suggestions and we, we said right all along, oh, you know, if you give us suggestions, we might actually do one of them. Yeah. Now, most of the suggestions have been outrageous. <laughs> they have required <laughs> quite a lot of time out and planning I don't know, and expense. I don't know, I don't know, they obviously think we've got nothing better to do than this. <laughs> well, in that, they're true. But, you know, <laughs> well, but in my case, that's true. That's but, a, in, but this one came from Muggsy's panel and, and so we have finally done it, which is good. Yeah. We said we would take suggestions and do one of the suggestions and we've done it. And we so if you join us on more, five pounds, we might do it again. More than pleasantly surprised by the book itself. Yes, we both we were both big fans. right? I loved it actually. I was really surprised by how. I mean, it's really well written. It's very stylish. There's lots of very snappy dialogue between really the characters. Like, all the characters are really interesting. And a real, you know, I read that paragraph about he's first in the hotel when the paranoia hits. It's really there's lots of really good stuff like that. Yeah, there's, it's very so, moody. There's uh, lots of it, it. It cracks along. There are events. Strange things happen. Yeah. We, we got into the idea that, that Hugh Everton was a sort of prototype Bond. We did. Bond, the first Bond book came out four years after this one. Yeah, 56. I liked your idea that she was thinking that Hugh Everton might be a, uh, uh, it might be a series because he's left at the point where he could go on another absolutely, mission. Absolutely, absolutely. But I just don't see it sufficiently complicated. Sufficient. The name's Everton. Hugh Everton. Hugh Everton. <laughs> it's like, no. It's not a good name, no. is it? It's not a good name. In terms of the artistic achievement, I think I'm probably going to give it a pretty high mark. Yes. Uh, I think I'm probably going to go eight oh. for the artistic achievement. Okay. I think it's uh yeah. I think it's a you know, it's it's a good it's a good solid book with some yeah. flashes of real quality. It's well genius. constructed, isn't it's it? It's really well put together. Yeah. Well more than worth your time. And she needs to be resurrected really. I want to read her her plain book. Yes. I'm very interested. I would love to see some of her screenplays because she's obviously quite a successful TV writer yeah. as well. And I, I get that in the dialogue. She's very good at dialogue and yeah. scene, scene setting. She did actually write a, a series. Uh, there's a TV dramatisation of The Widow of Bath by the BBC. She did. Broadcast in 1959, all episodes lost. Classic. That's not, a shame, isn't not it? Not great. For but, well, I'm going to give her a nine because oh, I well because I want to big her up and I think uh, and, and say this this is one of those you know it is a thing that women writers of that period just don't haven't survived in the same way. Honestly, you hear so many people banging on about Nigel Bolchin as like oh, he's no, some yeah. great writer. I my dad used to say he was a great writer, so I read those, but they're not that great. No. But his books stay in print and people talk about them. 
and nobody talks about Margot Bennett. I think she's a superior writer to Nigel Bolchin. I would example. agree. She is still in print, to be fair. These two yeah, but only two of her books. Only two I, of her I books. think she should be more lauded, as it were. So an eight and a nine. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm giving it. I'm um, giving it a high mark. That's nice. So now, curiously, speci- curiously no. specific. Now, we were very worried about the location, right? We were. Is it Broadstairs? Is it Ramsgate? Where exactly is it? Yeah. And you know, we had to play a little bit of top trumps to sort of combine all the elements of the book, and we ended up in Ramsgate. We were pretty comfortable when we got there that it was Ramsgate. Well, it's nice to. It was. I said to you at the time, it's a bit more like a series one podcast where we went there a little bit under researched and thinking mm, this might not work. Yeah. And then by walking around the we place, we got there. Yeah. We definitely got it there. It kind of all fitted in. It suddenly the penny drops. The swimming were. sheds worry me still. Yes. And the Lido non-mention of worries me still. Um, that she hasn't got those kind of big elements no, in, and she's obviously from somewhere else. Aren't we're they? obviously bandstand gate, right? So you know, both <laughs> the potential locations. She says there's no bandstand when there clearly is a bandstand. What's she got against? What's she got against bandstand as well? She's got. She wants to go Maybe to a place a with no bandstand. We, we were unable to find the judge's house explicitly. Yes. But obviously, we did find something even more interesting. The house in which Thirty Nine Steps was written, and the Thirty Nine Steps themselves. Yes. And that felt like a really clear. Yeah. So in joke uh, or a nod or whatever oh, it was. No, I think so. So suddenly, you know, so I, th- I think I'm going to go eight again for the curiosity specificity of the book because I think Ramsgate is right, but I think she's she's either left some stuff out deliberately for the yeah. purposes of concision or she's just, you know, didn't notice the best. <laughs> I, I, the reason why I give her quite a good skewer as well is that she's very... She knows a lot about her time, about food rationing, about secret people mm. smuggling networks... Mm about rising fear of communism. So she's specific about her times. She's not necessarily specific about the place in quite the way we would like. Um, So I'm going to go seven rather than eight because there are some deliberate obfuscations. Uh, But it conjures... I mean, as a painting of a a generic seaside town, South Coast, it's perfect. It's yeah. really good. I kind of feel so. I would like to add a postscript to all that, which is to say, you know, having researched her a little bit, you know, she does need to be rediscovered, I think. And also, she just sounds like such an excellent person. Really you know, interesting. You know, yeah, yeah. fighting in Spain, being shot up, going yeah. back. She just sounds really had, fascinating. Well, she had, um, she and also she had time to have not uh, three or four kids. She had four kids. One of them died from muscular dystrophy. Yeah, so, so she was yeah. bringing up a family as well as doing all this other stuff. Yeah. I actually found on a, um, just you probably want to cut this bit, but I'm going to add it. Um, I found on a blog called Do You Write Under Your Own Name dot blogspot dot com that someone uh, was looking for more information about her mm. uh, and why wasn't she better known? And up pops, uh, up pops, uh, not only her Margot Bennett was my aunt. Up pops her niece and says she did go to New Zealand. I'd love to. It's Caroline, the eldest daughter in particular, lived in Ireland as Carol, Caroline Thule. They were trying to track her down. And then up pops her granddaughter, Polly, who says, Hi there, I'm Margot Bennett's granddaughter. And as such, have copies of and read most of the books. Caroline Bennett, her daughter, lives with us. This is not that long ago. Uh, 2000, well, it is quite long ago. This is 10 years ago. A friend pointed me to this page, and I'd be happy for you to get in touch. Not us to get in touch, no. I presume. But anyway, so they're up in Scotland, and, they were the, and there is Polly Bennett. And Polly Bennett is an artist, pollydbennett.co.uk. Very nice find. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, by the way, my my Lilliput magazine from September 1946 has turned up. I can see you holding it on. I can see the advert on the back is for uh, yeah, is for Craven Plain. And look, there's a naked lady, captioned Bathsheba. Oh, but more importantly, there's an article in here by Margot Bennett, September 1946. Yes, and it's about Paris. So she's obviously been to Paris. Mm-hmm. While generations of male Anglo-Saxons have clung to the childlike belief that Paris is an inferior, although devilishly gay, city, their wives and daughters have raised it a little above and to the right of Olympus, a secular peak where all the gods spend all their time designing clothes. Very good. Says very few women trying to stroke Parisian models through the plate glass have stopped to ask themselves how Paris got there. If they knew the answer, they might walk on. The women of Paris have endured pain, ridicule, insult, imprisonment, martyrdom and pneumonia for the sake of fashion. Mm. So it's actually quite a good... Well, I'm just looking at the date. That's dated September 1946. Yes. So using your dating scheme mm. for the widow of Bath... She got there early, right? She was uh, in Paris at around the same time as Lucy and the judge. Exactly right. Very yes, good. which is why she writes with such great authority about people in yeah. Paris, right? Nice. Yeah. So that's where it's come nice from. Nice little postscript. There's a t- I just want to say, I'm going to read this out. You probably haven't got time for this, but the piece that she says about the people, the milieu in Paris, in when, the book. when Everton is there, he says um, about the people, uh, they had talked of how to pick up easy money, how to live tax-free, how to avoid the currency regulations in the cold winter and the shortage of heat, light, passports, petrol, real scotch, or whatever was at the moment hard to obtain. They had talked of where to place bribes and how to triumph over the customs. They were the inheritors of death duties, the self-appointed new elite, the people above the trifling, irritating laws. No one could mix with them without developing proprietary instincts towards all money. The life they led had its risks and their hectic appreciation of these exhausted them spiritually. Mind you of anyone? It's very good, isn't it? Reminds me, reminds me of Boris Johnson. No, but the the, uh, the prose reminds me of Graham Greene. Yeah, it's terrific, isn't it? It's as good as anything in Graham Greene, I yeah. would say. So she's very sharp about people in Paris, isn't she? she is. About their, whether they like Paris or well, not. Well, if you think about how she spent the Second World War, uh, well, how she spent the war and how she spent the 30s in, in Spain. Yes. Maybe not surprising. So, uh, well, we, we should obviously thank Margot Bennett for writing a cracking book. Yes. Uh, wherever you are, Margot. I'll be putting some pages of Lily Pup up on the Discord server. Well, not, the, not the racy one you showed maybe me Maybe I will. I've got some uh, some thanks for bits and pieces in the podcast. Yes, but maybe first time. I should say thank you to Learning Music on the Free Music Archive again. For our bassy loop. Yes, for our little theme tune. It's very um, good. I had various bits of music. Yeah, we, we, we got played in by I Do Like to Be Beside the Seaside. Excellent. By Primo Scala and his banjo and accordion band. That's a very good one. With the vocals from the Johnston Brothers. That came out in 1951. Nicely done. That version of the, the famous song. Another song that came out in 1951 that you heard at the beginning of part two was Rocket 88 by famous. Jackie Brentston. Very famous. Now, famously, that is supposedly the first rock and roll song to mm. be released. Actually, Ike Turner, right? Is, is it really? The, is the, uh, Hasn't he been uh, cancelled now? We're not allowed to listen to well, Ike Turner. Interestingly, uh, the credit is to Jackie Brinston, who sings it. So, okay. You know, Jackie Brinston is Delta Cats. A uh, couple of other bits of music from telly. Uh, you heard the Forty Towers theme. That was lovely. Which was composed by Dennis Wilson. 
not that Dennis Wilson. Mm. That would have been interesting. Uh, another Dennis Wilson who's very interested in his own right. I didn't know this. It was recorded by the highly respected Iolian Quartet. And they had been asked by the director, John Davis, to perform the piece badly. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, they didn't. They just refused. They played it well. Now, we, we had various Oliver Postgate uh, I love. TV shows oh, that I we could have used. nostalgic when I we heard We could that. have used. Uh, didn't you go for the obvious one, which no. would have been Bagpuss? I actually went for Nog in the Nog. The yeah. Nog in the Nog opening theme, which was written by Postgate with Vernon Elliott. It's so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Straight very back. much part of my childhood. Straight back that. to your childhood. Absolutely. I have to say, I did listen to the Bagpuss intro, which is all about the girl's shop that yeah. Bagpuss sits in the window. That shop sounds so dodgy. Now <laughs> that I've cover, read this book, is it's just a front, like a hat shop. Bagpuss's shop, when they say, oh, it just sells things that other people have left behind and then, yeah. you know, lost items that people want to recover, he's thinking, this, I, who, this is a front for some other nefarious activity. You're saying that Mr. Yackel is actually Greek. Well, he could be, couldn't he? And the he? mice are German. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, anything's possible. So, um, so that was... Uh, the Widower Bath by Margot Bennett. Yes. Uh, the second in our paranoid chase thriller trilogy. Now, you obviously left us uh, in our last part, last uh, broadcast on the field in this episode, above uh, a set of steps down to the beach, oh. which performs an admirable segue into what's coming next. Very convenient. As the last Very of convenient. our trilogy. It's almost actually, like we planned it. And the last in the current series of uh, Curiosity Specific. We That's say. right. We've done 15 in another, series another fif- three. Another 15 books d- uh, done and dusted. So you will find us uh, in a week's time. Uh, well, we're going to start off uh, up in the uh, in the uh, Highlands, not the Highlands, Highlands. We're going to hightail it out of London. We're heading up, up to t- up to Scotland. Hightailing it out from uh, not from St Pancras, from Euston. Another story uh, to Galloway and Dumfrieshire. Yes, where there is a plane chasing us across a hill, and a man and a weird professor who seems to have just randomly appeared. There's a deep mistrust of old men and libraries in this book, which there I find is. a bit unsettling. Well. We might get some funny looks when we go up there. So join us for the 39 Steps by John Buchan in a week's time.